You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the director, co-writer, and star from Somewhere in Queens, Ray Romano. How long have they been doing that? That's three or four games. Weird, right? Yeah. Now you see, I hate it. Your kid, he had a good game. Where's he going to college? No, he's coming to work for us, a family business, construction. I'm a scout. If you want me to make a few phone calls, there might be a hole here or there. Some of those holes have scholarships. Who let the dog out? Who, 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 who? You know that's 20 years ago. I told him we should use uh, Ain't Gonna Be No Rematch. At the end of Rocky. That's 40 years ago. Who's this, Sticks? Oh, this is Danny. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. Do not like her. Don't be mean in front of her. She don't know us yet. Come to dinner Sunday, 12 o'clock. Dinner at 12. I, I love it. I'll be there. Danielle's from Forest Hills. We worked on a house over there. Guy had a Maserati. <laughs> yeah, but it was yellow. No thanks. <laughs> Any more meatballs? Oh, I make us some more. Oh, no, 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 please. Too late. No, 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 Thank you. Uh, I Thank know you. right now that my parents would be extremely jealous, but I'm the one who feels very lucky right now uh, speaking with you because I've been a fan of your work for a number of years. And here with Somewhere in Queens, you're stepping into a new role for yourself, that of a feature film director. And so I want to first start off by asking, um, they say in the beginning when you're in the writing process to write what you know, you grew up in Queens, New York. Can you talk to me a little bit about the screenwriting process of working uh, with your co-screenwriter on this, uh, Mark Stagman? Stegman, sorry. Yeah, well, yes, writing what you know is is the uh, adage I live by. Um, <laughs> that's what we did on Everybody Loves Raymond, for sure, and that's what I did on Men of a Certain Age. <clears throat> and for my first screenplay, yeah, I wasn't, uh, I was going to do what worked for me. And I, I knew I wanted to write about um, Queens, and I knew I wanted to write about the real Italian-American working-class world that I grew up in. That I, I not so much grew up in, but also uh, married into, because I, I am Italian-American, but my parents, uh, second generation, but my wife's parents came right from uh, they didn't come over till they were 40 in their 40s and they had this this world this tradition this this uh, um, you know whatever you see in the movie was what I lived through for 35 years being married to my wife um, so I, I wanted to make it specific about that and then the idea came to me about just writing about what I was experiencing at the moment was my actual son was graduating high school and he was a star basketball player and that was all going to end and I felt like I was going to miss it I loved sharing it with my son that experience but I also loved being the, the, the father of the star basketball player you know getting the attention and so that, the idea was Let's make this story, let's start with this guy who, that's all he has in life. He feels very small, very uh, insignificant, and he feels like somebody when his son is playing basketball. And, and, and that's what we wrote about. It was, it was yes, it was something I, I knew firsthand on a different level, but I, 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 it was organic to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. As somebody who grew up in the uh, New York area, I grew up on Long Island, New York, uh, right next to Queens in uh, Nassau County. Um, And I live currently in Brooklyn uh, today. I'm very, very familiar with both um, Italian-American households coming from one myself, but also, too, uh, what you're speaking to in regards to how uh, people who dedicate themselves solely to their families – that becomes their existence, their purpose uh, for wanting to get up in the morning and just continue on with the day to day. And um, whether they're happy or unhappy, it just becomes what you're supposed to do, what's expected of you. And these expectations are also placed on your son in this movie, uh, Sticks, as he's referred to here. Um, I want to uh, ask about casting because that is, along with writing what you know, I would say a director's uh, maybe their most important job is getting the casting correct. Can you talk to me a bit about um, how vital that process was for you with this? And then not only working with Laurie Metcalf, who plays uh, your wife in this film, and then Jacob Ward, who plays your son, but also too like those small supporting roles that just add to the authenticity of what it's like to depict that kind of a family today. Yeah, well, you're right again. <laughs> you know, you're right again. Casting Martin, Martin Scorsese said the most important job he has as a director is casting. Probably number one. Number one is casting. So it was, it was a process. I mean, first of all, it was during COVID. So it was the new thing is... It's all virtual. Nobody, nobody comes in and reads. Uh, everybody's put on tape. And when it came to casting the, the son, that was the hardest role to cast because he not only had to be uh, this young actor who doesn't say much, but still, you know, he, he still embodies this insecure, introverted kid and, but he also has to be a basketball player, which I can tell you right now, that's not easy. <laughs> First of all, we originally wrote him as being like six foot four, six foot five. And we immediately changed that after like two or three weeks of trying to find a six foot three, six foot four, six foot five actor who was good who also played basketball. And we immediately said, he can be whatever height we, he is, and we'll deal with it. And, and what we did with Jacob was we, we put him in shoes. He's, he's actually not as tall as me, but we made him look taller than me. But what we would do, we would, we would narrow down about 10 or 15 uh, young actors who f- fit the part pretty good. And then we would ask them to go on tape showing us their basketball skills, because they all said they could play basketball. And they would send about a five-minute video of them in the backyard somewhere, a schoolyard. And we would put the tape on. And within 30 seconds, you could tell they, he never picked up a basketball in his life, this kid. And it was heartbreaking because there was a lot of good actors. But even as little as we have basketball in the movie, it's still important to think it's authentic that this kid maybe gets a small school scholarship somewhere, you know? And it, it got narrowed down, and Jacob was, Jacob was one of the ones who we liked from his performance. And then when he showed us his basketball skills, he got into the real short list. And 
he was also a kid who, um, you know, he has to play this this kid who doesn't say much and who's never had a girlfriend. And I don't know if you've seen Jacob in real life without those little bangs we gave him. He doesn't uh, look so like... I uh, Tribeca last year when the... When oh, the you were theater. there? Were you there mm-hmm. in the theater? Yep. So yep. you know my... You know, I don't know if you remember the line. I go, this kid's not a virgin. Um, <laughs> but we gave, him a, we gave him a little goofy haircut and it helped out a lot. Uh, um, so he was, a, 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 you know, a tough role to cast, but it, it worked out. Um, and Lori Metcalf was just... You know, once she once she was said that she was interested in the script, we just had to convince her because she was worried about doing a New York accent and all. And we convinced her, whatever you do is going to work. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, she's just I mean, she's just great in whatever she does. So we got very lucky there. And then the other younger actor, Sadie, was mm-hmm. another one who I had never seen, but uh, was just right from the audition. We just knew she was a. She was a standout, you know? Yeah. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500, on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Well, all of you have such great chemistry together. Um, I saw like aspects of my own family reflected in your rapport with one another, and your comedic timing was just impeccable. This movie's a really funny movie, uh, but also too, very, just very true to life, very relatable in a lot of ways. I- I'm curious to know, just as somebody who's also starring in the film, did you place any phone calls to other actors who? directed themselves in front of the camera to get some advice? If so, uh, what was the best piece of advice that you received? Well, I did talk. I did, actually. Um, I spoke to, uh, well, just as far as directing, I spoke to Judd Apatow because I told him about my reservations and my uh, fears about having never directed before. And he, you know, one of my things was my worries was technically, I, I really don't know my way up behind the camera. I don't know lenses. I don't know <clears throat> apertures. I don't know any of that stuff. And he told me, he goes, I don't know that either. He goes, I was going to say, most people don't. <laughs> yes. He said, you find a good cinematographer. My agent told me this too. You know, you, 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 and I did. And I sat down with him and I, I, we watched movies and I, 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 I showed him looks that I liked and, and, and color tones I liked. And, and, and then it was up to him to get that. And then as far as the acting, not to name drop, but I did get a chance to talk to Bradley Cooper, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, he, you know, directed himself in uh, A Star is Born, I think. Right? That's the name of it? Yeah. Yep. 
And you know, he the, basically the advice was have somebody you trust on the set. And I had Mark Stegman, my co-writer, who he knew we lived with this script for years and we both knew every moment and 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 what our vision was for it and 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 he was a, there when I was on camera making sure someone else was watching it because I I really wasn't, you know. So he could tell me when we got it and when we, when he thought we didn't get it. Um, so that was important too, you know. And James James Corden actually gave me a little advice. He he he. Uh, when I told him I was frightened about directing, and he he gave me a book to read called My First Movie, which is twenty directors talking about their first time ever directing a movie, twenty well known directors, you know. Uh, so yeah. it was good. It was good to share that they were just as scared as I was, you know. <laughs> Having come out the other side of it now and going through this long process from the time that it premiered last year at Tribeca to now getting its uh, rollout now from Roadside Attractions um, and just kind of separating yourself from the experience of it a little bit. Is it something that you would be willing to dive back into again or is this a one and done for you? I actually would do it again. I never thought I would say this leading up to it because it was very nerve-wracking leading up to it. But after it was said and done, if, if I write another script, I would like to do it again. I, I, I don't have that yet that desire to do somebody else's script, which I've gotten a couple offers for. But it doesn't, I don't know why that, I don't know that I can jump in. I guess if, if something really spoke to me, I mean, intensely, then maybe that would happen. But for now, I think, and we are attempting to write another script. I just can't take seven years to do it. Um, but if that ever comes to be where we plan to film it, I, I would take that on again. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. Other than that potential gig in the future, can you tell us what else we can look forward to seeing from you uh, next? Because as of these last couple of years, especially, I I've been just so loving uh, the trajectory right. of your career and the projects you've been taking on. Well, I just finished filming a, a movie with uh, Scarlett Johansson and, and Channing Tatum for uh, Apple. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a movie about the Apollo moon landing, the moon landing. Uh, I believe that it was a working title, but I think it's going to be called Artemis. And we just we just wrapped like a month ago. So I would assume, hopefully, before... Next year, it'll hit the... I think it's going to hit the theaters. I did a guest, couple guest spots on Bupkis coming up. You know what Bupkis is? Nice. You know you... Mm -hmm, I've heard of Bupkis. It's Pete Davidson's, yeah. Pete Davidson's yep. show. And that was really fun. And in the works is a movie about Jimmy Valvano. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Jimmy V. Mm -hmm. But he was a, a iconic college coach who won the championship in the 80s and he unfortunately passed away but he has a very famous uh sb speech uh and the and the jimmy v foundation is is named after him and i'm set to play the jimmy v jimmy valvano uh we have a script and now we're trying it's in development it's in you know we'll see what happens very exciting stuff all around. Ray, thank you so much for your time today, and congratulations on the film. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the co-writer, star, and director for Somewhere in Queens, Ray Romano, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Somewhere in Queens will be released in theaters on April 21st from Roadside Attractions. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.